0: Church, the Lord has given us two more servants, two men who are already serving uh, in uh, some really uh, important and necessary and helpful ways. Uh, Drew Malone, Jeff Peak—they are special men, special families, and uh, they are an answer to our prayers. And then, also, Brother Grant mentioned that uh, the elders have asked Tommy Bradford to step up and to serve with them in shepherding of this great congregation and Tommy has consented to that and provided there are no scriptural concerns voiced to the elders written to the elders and signed between now and next Sunday then we'll have additional reinforcements in positions of leadership here and uh, these are are good times for this church but these are also challenging times for, for this church you've noticed haven't you when things are going well, job, family, you know, your your neighborhood, church, it's like the devil doesn't like that. A, a smiling Christian's a pretty big threat to him. If we're whining, complaining, gloomy, then, you know, he's pretty well going to leave us alone because we're not doing him much damage. So we need to batten down the hatches and expect him maybe to, to come at us on occasion. And you know that he... He reserves the strongest attacks for the strongest force. So let's uh, let's always be vigilant, and let's be prayerful, and let's be uh, let's be continuing moving forward. Hard for the devil to hit a, a moving target. So let let's keep moving. We again have guests with us tonight. Thank you very much for honoring us with your presence. Your uh, your. You're decision to be here is a gift for us and hope after the amen on the closing prayer we can get to know you better social distancing of course and if you're looking for a church where we try we try to speak where the bible speaks we try to remain silent where the bible is silent try to call bible things by bible names do bible things in bible ways and we're trying and we need we need more reinforcements continually the lord has sent us good people to, to journey with us this morning also, we got the good news that uh, Bobby and Donna King, again, really special people that have been battling something. Bobby was diagnosed with a very severe, very aggressive form of cancer a few months ago, and he's been undergoing treatment, and his body has been responding to those treatments. God has been answering prayer, and so you saw, you saw Bobby here this morning with a smile on his face, and he's a Bobby, you're in the balcony? Wow. That's a, isn't this is the first time you've been in the balcony, isn't it? Is that how that goes? You, when you're a member, when you're a visitor, you're down here. Member, you get back there. That's all right. I'm glad I found you up there. I try to pray for Bobby by name every day. I try to do that, and I, I hope you do too. And he's not the only one. There are a host of others we need to be lifting up by prayer every day. But certainly, Bobby. Needs to be on our list. We, we, we got the devil on the run now with that disease, and let's, let, let's finish this, okay? What I'd like for us to do tonight, if You many of you were here with us this morning or joined us online this morning, and we talked about March Madness. We talked about how the walls of Jericho fell because God's people followed God's plan prior to March Madness prior to that event there are some things that are happening there that I want to call your attention to because they have some really dynamic 2021 applications for us and I appreciate Al's prayer he mentioned something of that in his message to the father just a few moments ago that what we would look at would help us in our growth would help us to to be stronger Christians and this will this will, look at, look at this with me for just a few moments tonight. Am I the only one that's a little bit warm in here? Eli, how you doing? You're what? You're toasty? Well, can you stand up? You're not, you're not a new deacon, but can you stand up and see what that is over there? and uh, See what that is over here? Because Eli's turning red over there on me, making me nervous. When he turns around, you'll see, yeah, Jeff's right. See? Okay, this is, this is Joshua chapter 3. Would you look at this with me? This is prior to the nation of Israel crossing the Jordan. And, and just several, just, I love this section of Scripture because it is so relevant for us today. It says here in verse 1 of Joshua 3, Then Joshua rose early in the morning. He's got a big job. He's, he's had a big job for a while. Just leave that up. He, he's had the task, the responsibility of following Moses. Who's Moses? Moses is the greatest leader, certainly up until this time, that God's people have known. They have followed Moses in the best of days, in the worst of days. And if you were to, if you were to ask a Jew, even living today, who of the Old Testament were the were the big leaders the the most important the most significant the those that continue to have the greatest influence the names that you'd hear would be Abraham Moses David those are the big three And with many Jews, it's all about Moses because he's the one that actually was leader. We know God's a leader, but Moses was a human leader to finally get the Jewish people out of Egyptian bondage. He is the one that got them to the brink I mean to the front door of the promised land. He's the one that had to deal with all that arguing and complaining and one step forward and 20 steps back and he was he was an an amazing remarkable leader. Joshua had to follow him. Can you imagine that? He's the great coach with all the victories and and Joshua's the next coach. He's the CEO of a corporation that has made lots of money and, and made lots of great decisions and has grown. And, and, and Joshua's the next guy in charge of the company. You know, Joshua was the next preacher to follow a preacher who would had decades of, of effective ministry in one place. It is really difficult to follow someone who has been so influential, so prominent, so effective. Joshua essentially raises his hand. He says, I'll do that. And he understood if you go back and look at Joshua 1, one of the reasons he's able to do that, God made him a promise, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. (laughs) In that whole chapter, there's just so much of getting back to the idea of uh, be strong, be courageous. Be strong, be, repeats it over six times, depending on your translation, more than six times he tells him. And if somebody visits you that knows your future and they tell you, hey, I know what's coming, so you need to be real strong and courageous. They keep repeating that to you. You know what that means. That means something pretty significant is coming your way and you need to get ready. Joshua is following Moses. And and maybe the case could even be made that that he is ultimately a more effective leader than was the one he followed, Moses. He did get the people into the promised land. He does not seem to have a problem with with his temper to the extent that, that Moses did. So he, he's a phenomenal man. And so that's why it's so surprising to me. What, you look at Hebrews 11, that great hall of fame of faith. The glaring omission in that chapter is Joshua. Why isn't Joshua? I mean, all the greats are mentioned in Hebrews 11. It is mentioned what we studied this morning, that by faith the nation of Israel, they, they marched and then the walls fell. Joshua's never specifically met, and there, there's some theories as to why that is, but I'm just saying he is probably the mo- more underappreciated, undervalued of all the leaders. And what did we just read? He got up early. Have you, have you observed, another a great 2021 application for, from the Bible, haven't you observed that most successful people get up? They get up early. Don't elbow somebody sitting next to you okay they get up they get up early they get after it abraham got up early david got up early daniel got up early jesus got up early i mean these are people that when they got a task and they got something to do whether it's good or bad i'm impressed abram abraham he even got up early the day he's going to climb that mountain and offer his only son as a sacrifice if there's ever a day to justify sleeping in it was that day he gets up early in the morning I know, spring break for a lot of you, so I get it. Maybe need to sleep in right. But as a general rule, let's be the kind of people who, to use the proverb word, are not slothful. We get up, we get after it, we get... The morning, oh, it's such a wonderful time. There's not as much competition for your attention. You see beautiful sunrises. You see the evidence of God. There's more time to pray. There's more time to read. There's more time to make some notes and organize the day. It is the best time of the day in the morning. And if my mama... Had known when I was a teenager, I'd be standing up in front of people saying this, she would be shocked because I had to come to this early rising philosophy kind of late to the party. But I see in my Bible every person of significance that when we read of them and what time they got up, it's early. They could not wait, it seems, to get going and to be. That's why I, I think that, you know, in a lot of churches, the Sunday morning early service, is surprisingly one of the more populated of the assemblies because there, there are a lot of folks just, hey, it's Sunday. I just want to get up and go ahead and go worship my God. Just something to think about there. He gets up early in the morning and attends to his task. And then notice, notice what he says to the people in verse 4, another application. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, 2,000 cubits, You know, going through the details of how we're going to be crossing this Jordan. And then he says, do not come near it that you may know the way which you must go. Can't crowd up. That's going to be directing you. If you get all close to it, not everybody can see, see that GPS in a sense. And then this line, for you have not passed this way before. What does that do for us when we are about to do something we've never done before? We're about to go to a place we've never gone before. It gives us humility Gives us also a sense of excitement. This is something new that I'm going to experience. Maybe gives us a, an adrenaline rush. And, and we understand that for us, every day is a day we have yet to live it's a new day it's a new opportunity to to get right maybe what we got wrong yesterday or to build on the things that we did well yesterday but every day what i love about christianity is every day is a is a spiritual birthday for us in a sense it's it's a fresh start it's a it's it's a new year's day for us it's a birthday it's a thanksgiving it's all those holidays rolled into one and then notice the key to being successful in this new territory we're entering. Joshua said to the people, this is verse 5 of Joshua 3, sanctify yourselves. Uh, Our translation of this would be, do what you need to do to clean yourself up, to be the special person you've been called to be. You're you're not to live as you previously lived. You're not to be like folks of the world. You're no longer a part of that. Sanctify, it literally means to, to set yourself apart for a holy purpose. Notice what happens when sanctification occurs. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Would he do wonders among them if they first do not sanctify themselves? Absolutely not. So step one. We're getting up early. Step two, we're cleaning ourselves up. Step three, next, God is able to do special things with us. If we, if we tonight can make sure that our hearts are pure, that our vocabulary is pure, that our eyes are watching pure things, our ears are listening to pure things, that our hands are doing pure things, that we are sanctifying ourselves, that gives us so much more of an advantage over the devil tomorrow, it gives us so much greater likelihood that God can do wonders among us. But first, there must be some sanctification. God can use anybody, anytime to do great things. But obviously, when we read our Bible, he cherishes most the opportunities to do good things with people who are sanctifying themselves. Uh, Trying to be a peculiar people who are zealous of good works, as Peter would tell us. Look at verse 7. Isn't this just so encouraging? And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as, repeated from chapter 1, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You see all these twenty twenty one applications here it's good to get up early, it's good to understand where every day is a is a new day, it's a new place that we're to be and going to be to the glory of God, and then it's important that we' be cleaning ourselves so God can best use us to accomplish his will but then then do you do you see this that? The, the application of this, that as as God was with Moses, he was with Joshua. And we just naturally can carry it on to the next step. As God was with Joshua, he was with Moses, as as God excuse me, as God was with Moses, he'll be with Joshua. As God was with Joshua, he'll be with Jeff. As God was with Joshua, he'll be with us. He's I really can't think of a time in my Bible, can you where, where God left somebody, where God chose not to be with somebody. I can think of numerous examples where somebody chose to not be with God, right? Kind of like the analogy of the, involving the prodigal son. Who left whom? prodigal son left the father. Who had to come back? The prodigal son. The same road that took him away is the same road that, that brought him home, same, same with us. The issue is not, will God forgive? Like that, that father, will God give us the, the robe, the ring, the shoes, the fatted calf, the welcome home party? He will. That, that's not the, the, the question is, will, will the person, us, if we're that folks that have left God, will we come back? It's not will he forgive It's will we repent? And, and we see here a God... Our God, who's making a promise, I'm going to be with you. But again, that promise is conditional. It depends on Joshua sticking and staying with God. And thankfully, Joshua did that. Again, I can think of no more remarkable person in our Bible. And there's so many of them that are remarkable. But none trump Joshua in his faithfulness to the father in, in spite of extraordinarily difficult circumstances, these people at the death of Moses did not suddenly become more manageable. They didn't become better followers. Many of them, they still tried to revert to their former ways and attitudes and and rebelliousness. They were a complicated, complex group, but Joshua was able to do good things with them. Wasn't he? All right. We're still looking at these applications. Look at, Look at verse 10, Joshua said, by this you shall know, I, I, oh this is so good, that the living God, that's the, that's the difference between our God and other gods, ours is the living God, is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. This is an oversimplification, but anytime in your Bible you read of a group of people and their last name is an It or Its, bad folks. I think one or two of that category, not so bad. Its, bad people. So he just listed a lot of bad people, a lot of walls that needed to be overcome, a lot of Goliaths in that. And he, he gives them the great confidence. The victory is already won. You're an athlete. You're about to play this big ball game and you have absolute certainty before we tip off, before we throw the first pitch or before toe meets leather that you're going to win, how much more effectively are you going to play? How much more confidently? How much more joyfully? That's the message to Joshua. That's the message to Jeff. That The the book of Revelation, book of Hebrews, same kind of thing. The victory has been won. Our privilege is just to keep on keeping on. It's already been determined. God's people win. What hasn't been determined yet, who are God's people going to be? Are we going to be in that group? And hopefully we're obviously in the process, right, of determining that's the team we're going with. God promises them victory. He promises us no less. All right, another wonderful, wonderful application. Are you, are you jotting these down in the margins there? Verse 13, And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the judgment, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, and the waters that come down from the upstream, they shall stand up as a heap. So it's just a big wall of water there. And when does that happen? This is significant whenever the feet of the priest go into the water. When they make contact, when they obey, then something good happens. The something good does not happen until first there is obedience. What happens with us? Sometimes we want the good result without the obedience. Why isn't God blessing me? Maybe it's because I've yet to obey the Father. When the obedience happens, the good things follow up. Look at... uh, Look at 15. And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam and so on. When did the waters stand up in a heap? When was the, the pathway provided, again, it's when the feet of the priest dipped in the edge of the water. By the way, this Jordan River is really significant in history, in Bible history. This is the place, you've heard of him. This is the place, this is the water where Naaman, that Syrian captain who had leprosy, he was told to dip seven times in this muddy stream. And when did he get cleansing from his illness. First dip, no. Second dip, no. Third dip, no. Seventh dip. It's when obedience was finished that the illness was gone. It's when the priest obeyed the command to put your toes in the water that the water was parted. It was was gone for a time. By the way, this same place also that John the Baptist did his baptizing, which also means this is the same river that Jesus was baptized. A lot of pretty important things happen in the Jordan River. Obedience first and then the blessing. We we sometimes say, well, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Bible teaches we'll see it when we believe it. Let's believe first, and then we're going to see. We have faith first, and then good things happen. Have you noticed this before? In verse seventeen, looking at just great applications here. Then the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, which is symbolic of the Lord's presence among His people, when when they bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when they stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people crossed completely over the Jordan. So what is that saying there? It's saying, I think I read a then when I should have read a when, or a when when I should have read a then. But the point being made in this passage is that those priests, they went out and they stood there in the water. And, and the water's dried up. But they stood there the entire time in that in that vast expanse between the, the two walls of water. They didn't just get their toes wet, everything dries up, and they scoot on to the other side safely. But they stood there until every single member of the nation of Israel had safely crossed. And then... The priest went across. There are dozens of applications just in that visual that we have in our minds right now. Two of them come to your mind probably is that it's important to finish. It's important to do the job before we quit the job. And, and these, these priests, they had the job of standing there. And their presence was, uh, demonstrates their obedience and They had to finish their obedience so that all these people could safely make it through. It is such an easy thing to start. We can begin anything, anytime. We are expert at beginning things. But sometimes we struggle to finish the good things that we have begun. That's why these priests are to be. I would say it's a pretty scary proposition to stand there with, with all these, these waters up around us. I would be a little bit nervous maybe in a situation like that. And we're thinking here, right, uh, if there are 600,000 men that were marching around Jericho shortly after this, then it got to be, what, two to three million people crossing Jordan. They stood there for quite some time, but they stood there until the task was finished. What does Paul say near the end of his life? I have finished the race. What does Jesus say when he's on the cross? It is finished it is important to begin. It is even more important to finish the good things that we have begun. That's what these priests did. And then, you know, another application I'm sure comes to your mind. It just kind of reinforces to us what good leaders do. And we're all trying to be good leaders. I'm not just talking about apostles or, apostles, or elders or deacons or preachers or teachers or daddies. But we're all, according to Christ, to be sought, to be light positions of influence headlights not not taillights we're we're all to be radiating Jesus we're all to be having the best possible influence and one of the things that we leaders do is try as best we can to make sure those that are following us are safe spiritually that's why you know it is so important for us not to just focus on that person in the mirror and they're doing okay with God and that's a great thing that is a great thing But it's an even greater thing if that person that we're looking at that's doing so great with God helps to make sure other people make it safely across Jordan. There are folks struggling. Just because maybe we have, have not struggled lately spiritually, there are people struggling. Next Sunday, I plan to have a, a wheel that, that illustrates some of this, but let's just be thinking and praying and, and putting feet on our prayer of making sure that, that we're not just content to be just us and a few more make it across. The let's try to get everybody. Why not? Let's try to get as many folks as we can, especially in our family, across George. If everybody just helps their family, then that pretty well takes care of everybody that's ever lived, doesn't it? These priests are remarkable. And then, just wanna call your attention to the fact that these memorial stones were set up. Um, Terry this morning at the early service, he presided over the Lord's table for us, and he, he, he referenced memorials. And, and this is the most important memorial you and I will ever participate in. It is the most important memorial ever established And it was established, as you recall, by Jesus the night of his betrayal. We do this in remembrance of him. It is important that we remember what happened at Calvary. Our Bible is full of memorials. And in this case, God decides that there should be a memorial to this crossing. It is the first official act in a sense uh, under Joshua's leadership. So it's significant for a lot of reasons. This is a big deal what what has happened here. And God instructs these people, each one man from each of the 12 tribes, you go get a stone from this area where you crossed and and we're going to we're going to erect this monument of these 12 stones so that future generations will be taught and will know what happened here. God, by his grace, by his mercy, separated the waters and saved his nation, saved his people. And again, that was, that was something that, that would inspire the people of course in their future battles. What, what do memorials do? Memorials remind us of, of good things that have happened good things done for us by God, good things done for us by people. Terry mentioned the, the uh, Arizona Memorial this morning and those who are in uh, tune beneath that ship. And he gave other examples of, of those who were honored by memorials in Washington, D.C. And you've been to some of those places and it's a uh, it's a tearful place, those places are. They're, they're, we, we get chill bumps in, in some of those places because we recognize the significance of, of, of these people and their decisions and their sacrifices and, and what that has meant to our life now. And, and Joshua, by instruction of God, wanted the people to understand something important happened here. Let's not forget that. And one thing that memorials do, they inspire us to future battles they would remember that God helped these people cross the Jordan. And if he's helping them cross Jordan, he will help us. It gives us confidence that he's not going to help us cross Jordan and then abandon us later. There are other Jordans to cross. There are other walls to conquer. There are Goliaths out there that some people are facing, dealing with every day. And if we can remember something in our past that where God blessed us, where we had some kind of victory, then that gives us confidence to fight knowing that the outcome has already been determined memorials they help us remember value appreciate what has happened before us but also they they embolden us to to have greater courage maybe even to understand that the best is yet yet to come for us by the way it's kind of a controversial thing i don't want to go there with us but some memorials need to come down uh, there are memorials to, to Lenin, for example, to Stalin in Ukraine. They're coming down. In fact, they're, they're almost all down now because, and I know that's history, and we've got to be careful about all that stuff, but, but in most towns in Ukraine, there are palaces of culture. There are squares in front of these palaces of cultures, and that's where the military have their parades or demonstrations. And the dominant face is a huge statue of Lenin. Lenin was the mastermind, the evil incentive behind the destruction of millions of people. And, and it is time for him to no longer be the dominant face in many places. We first started going to Ukraine in 1993. That was a long time ago. We were baptizing people in the Olympic pool in the Palace of Culture behind the huge statue of Lenin. And I just thought that was kind of ironic and a blessing from God. God's providence, maybe. Probably the greatest enemy of God this side of the first century was somebody like Lenin. And behind him, the church is growing. The church is having souls being added to it. That memorial when it came down in Cremators was a time of great celebration, a time to kind of turn the page and to have a, a new life and build for ourselves a new, a new history over there. You know, just because we've always done something a certain way doesn't mean it is the best way. And we need to compare what we have done, what we are doing, what we're intending to do, not with what we have been doing, but rather what is God's will. Is this the best way? Is this the most effective way? Is this the most godly way? Is this the most scriptural way? That's what matters. I had an old preacher buddy years ago. He's going to buy a boat. He's retiring. He's going to buy a boat. He's going to keep it in the water down the Gulf of Mexico. He did a little research. Any ever bought a boat? You know the two best days of your life, right? The day you bought it and the day you sold it. But he was going to buy a boat, a big boat. And again, he's going to keep it docked in the water. It's going to be so big, couldn't take it up and put it back in every time he's going fishing or going for a boat ride. And, and he started doing some research on this. And he said that he decided not to buy a boat. The reason he decided not to buy a boat is because he learned that over time, when those boats are down in the water they accumulate barnacles and other things, just get attached to them. And every year or so, you gotta pay a lot of money to lift that boat up out of the water and have somebody professionally remove all those barnacles and crustaceans and other things that attach themselves. And he, he used that very effectively as spiritual application. He said, he said from time to time, that's what we need to do, do to ourselves. We just kind of need to pull ourselves up out of the water and give ourselves a very careful inspection in view of Scripture because over time, things, beliefs, traditions, behaviors, actions mindsets can attach themselves to us that did not come from the Word of God. And those things can become a type of memorial to us. They can become so important to us. And and if they didn't originate with God, they need to be removed. That can be a painful process. So the best way is to never let those things get stuck on us. Everything that we say, everything that we do, everything that we think, everything that we are... It really needs to come to us from God. It makes life better. It makes life more blessed for us and for those that get to be in our circles of love and influence. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for Joshua, for the lessons we learned from him. Help us, Father, to study in view of applying these truths. And help us to to be better people tonight because we've looked at these applications. And help us to to finish this now. Help us to take the next step, and that's the implementation of these principles. Help us, Father, to grow daily from our study of your word. Help us to grow daily from our communication with you. Help us to grow daily because of our uh, interactions with our brothers and sisters in christ we know the devil's going to come knocking this week and we pray god that you give us the strength to not open that door to reject him to as best we can defeat him destroy him we pray god that you'd help us to protect others to be watchful for their souls as best we can too be with those folks that are traveling bring them back safely to us be with those that are sick restore them to their health soon Father please be with those that uh, need a prayer tonight. We pray that they'll they'll pursue whatever help that we can provide, whatever help you can provide. Father, we pray for those also who have yet to put on Jesus in baptism. We pray that they will soon be obedient to what Jesus taught Nicodemus in John chapter 3, what Peter taught the crowd in Acts chapter 2. We pray, God, that tonight we're all better people because we made the decision to be here either in pew or online. We love you, Father. Thank you for loving us. In Christ we pray. Amen. If we can help you, would you come please while we stand and sing?